Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the You Can Do It Too podcast by Mamba Inspire. I am Mamadou Balde. I'm your host. The purpose of this podcast is to both showcase black excellence and increase awareness of the multitude of career possibilities out there for up-and-coming black professionals. This podcast will assist in breaking stigmas, barriers, and helping black students believe that they are smart enough to be future doctors, engineers, educators, and entrepreneurs. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest here today with us. Uh, thank you so much for giving us your time. Would you please start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, yeah, no problem. So my name's Trent Key, um, born and raised in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Yes, sir. So um, pretty much my whole life was there. You know, I, I uh, never really left the city too much, you know, mm -hmm. did some family vacation and stuff, but never ventured out and never really saw that a part of who I would be or what I would do. So it's, even though Houston's not that far away, for me it was kind of a big jump. And, it, and I had a few experiences that kind of led me here and got yes, me sir. out of my little bubble, you know. Yes, sir. What was like growing up in, in, in Louisiana? What, mm. in Baton Rouge, what kind of community did you grow up in? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's a, to me it's a really good place to grow up, mm -hmm. you know. It's, it's kind of got a small town vibe, mm -hmm. you know, like it's not so small where everyone knows everyone, but you know, your friend groups are pretty big. And I have a lot of friends that I met in high school mm -hmm. or in middle school or in elementary school or even like preschool. I have some friends that have, you know, kind of been with all through life, you know, so and coming here, that's one thing I've noticed people say like, oh, wow, like you have friends from high school or even before that. Like, I don't know if I even know anyone from back then, you know, mm -hmm. so I, I'd say it's a place that's really centered on family and friends and community, mm -hmm. you know. Well, I heard I heard that Louisiana has that vibe. I mean, yeah, yeah. The family atmosphere. That's one thing I always mm -hmm. hear about uh, Louisiana. So. Growing up, was education an expectation uh, at mm. home for you, or was it a privilege? For me and my family, it was an interesting dynamic. Mm -hmm. I'd almost say it was a bit of both. We, you know, my parents wanted, you know, they, to me, expectation is too strong of a word. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it's me and an older brother. And so they wanted us to do well. Mm -hmm. but they never really pushed us. Mm -hmm. I think they had a fear of being over, you know, pushy, pushy or, or, or overly demanding. Mm -hmm. um, so there wasn't much of a expectation or mandate, but I will say, so my dad, um, you know, so he did manual labor and, mm -hmm. and jobs his whole life and really on both sides of my family it come from carpenters mm -hmm. that's that's just big and kind of the creole community mm -hmm. almost everyone's a carpenter or their dad or uncle's a carpenter mm -hmm. but so my dad did carpentry for most of his early career life and then went into roofing and re-roofing had a business mm -hmm. doing that and then his last 10 or 15 years working he had his own pressure washing business because he was like, oh, I got tired of having people work under me. Mm -hmm. 
and just wanted something he could do by himself, which really meant he wanted something me and my brother could do with him <laughs> when we were like 10 and 15 years old and whatever. But so he always was like, go to school, stay in school as long as you can, get a job where you can work inside. Because mm -hmm. um, he's like, it's great, nothing wrong with working with your hands. He loved it, I loved it. I mean, I enjoyed those experiences and still reflect back on it and how it defined who I am today, mm -hmm. just with work ethic and everything else, attention to detail. But he was like, it's good when you're 20 or 30 or 40, but when you get in your 50s or 60s, mm -hmm. if you have to work outside or have to work, you know, with your hands mm -hmm. at that age to make ends meet, is like, it's tough. So he was really a big push on me. And like I said, not like, oh, you got to be, I'm angry. Not like that. He wanted that. you to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's the same thing growing up. One thing my father always, uh, mm. he always tell me, you don't, you don't need to do this for the rest of your life, but mm. it's good to know it when you need to do it. Right, right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Did you always like school? <laughs> I mean, I, I liked school to some extent. Mm -hmm. I didn't like doing homework. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't like doing tests per se, but mm -hmm. I mean, I thought science was interesting. Math would annoy me a lot mm -hmm. until I figure it out. And then I'd be like, oh, okay, this is cool. You know, I worked on that for like a day and a half and couldn't figure out why I was getting it wrong. And I figured, so I liked it a little bit, that problem solving side. Um, and, and I'm talking more, you know, elementary through high school. Mm -hmm. And I had some friend groups, so I, I liked the social side. Um, but it, it really wasn't until college and then grad school after, after that, after mm -hmm. undergrad, that I really felt like, man, this is cool and I'm enjoying this, mm -hmm. you know. I guess you get a little bit more into your own groove um, at that stage of like, specialization you know yes sir yes sir uh, would you imagine that this would be the kind of job you would do growing up no not at all and mm -hmm. and I forgot to mention earlier for the folks listening or watching that mm -hmm. so so I did a um, undergraduate degree in environmental engineering mm -hmm. from LSU um, and then after that, I rolled straight into a PhD program at LSU in environmental engineering, focused on uh, biological treatment of environmental contaminants, mm -hmm. um, and mostly focused or, or sp specified on uh, contaminated groundwater uh, bioremediation or treatment. Um, so, to go back to your question, mm -hmm. I never would have thought. I'd have, a, you know, that degree or that specialty mm -hmm. or this job, you know, this specific role or even being an oil and gas mm -hmm. or energy company, I never thought of that. And, and at some points in time, I even went the other way of, oh man, I don't want to work for mm -hmm. an energy company or for industry or for oil and gas um but just because of where i was at you know as i guess a young college student and not really seeing the big picture mm -hmm. of how the world works 
Um, not that I know it or understand it now, but mm -hmm. I, ha I do have a broader view outside of just the envir environmental sliver that I used to, you know, limit myself to and not seeing the full picture. Yes, uh, sir. So, yeah, so I, I never would have thought yes, sir. at all. This would be an option. Yeah. Yes, sir. And I'm guessing you started realizing that in, in school, right, in college is when opportunities started kicking in. How did you get these opportunities? How did you yeah. realize these were options? That these were options. So, you know, f first off, biology was a thing that I didn't like mm -hmm. at all. So being an engineer that's really applying the fundamentals of biology, micro and molecular biology, yes, sir. I never would have thought that was a thing until I kind of, you know, I got led there because mm -hmm. um, I was more of an applied physics, applied chemistry was yes, my sir. interest. But so I kind of got led there. And then as I'm doing the research and learning the applications of biology and the importance and the benefits, I'm like, oh, this is cool. And, and so I start kind of seeing well, what could I do? You know, I'm, to me, I'm like, I'm this weird mix of an engineer, but almost feel like a fundamental scientist at the same time. Mm -hmm. On the biology side, in Louisiana, how am I gonna find a job for this, you know? Mm -hmm. It seems so atypical. Because, yes, you know, Louisiana, it's, it's chemical engineers, mechanical, petroleum, and then you have your civils that, you know, a lot of them work for the, the state and whatnot. Yes, sir. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of got pushed, you know, by some senior graduate students mm -hmm. um, and my advisor, my PhD advisor at LSU to, mm -hmm. hey, you know, if you want a career in academia and being a professor, that's great and you could do that. But you're early enough in your pipeline, you know, you should explore options in industry. And there's tons of good companies around here. And, and so, like I said, it was this big self maturation process and mm -hmm. trying to see oh, what I really want to work in one of these companies. So basically I came to the decision of, well, I'm going to try and get internships during grad school and experience it for myself. And it was really through the intern opportunities that led to me being here, mm -hmm. but also opened up my, my vision of what's all out there and how what you do could make a difference. Um, especially being on the environmental side, because again, I went from, I would never want to work in one of these companies to shoot. I mean, you look at the biggest issues globally. I mean, you, you talk about energy, mm -hmm. you talk about maintaining the environment, you know, water quality, water um, availability. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the group that I'm in, within the company, mm -hmm. it touches all of those to wow. some extent. And, you know, so you, you, I got to this point of, man, this is definitely where I want to work. Like this is all the, checks all the big challenges, all yes, the big sir. boxes. Um, but, so I think to be a little bit more descriptive on how I got here. Mm -hmm. So like I said, it's through internships, and for me, getting that first internship was mm -hmm. difficult, yeah. very difficult. I had intern, uh, internships in undergrad, like small consulting firms. I had one with like a government 
facility, a NOAA facility. Um, and then I had like a little a research experience as well. Mm-hmm. But trying to get an internship with Shell or Chevron or ExxonMobil or Dow or, you know, those caliber of companies, it was a whole different ballpark and a whole yes, different sir. strategy and game that I, I wasn't educated on. So for me, it was a lot of trial and error. Yes, sir. So I think I went through three cycles of three years of going to the career fair. I think in grad school. So by the third year, I had multiple offers from companies, but those first two years, I didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the first year, I had an on-campus interview, and that was it. Mm-hmm. With I think a few companies, but nothing after that. And a lot of it, you know, it's like learning how the game is played. How do you prepare for those interviews? What kind of questions are going to come your way, and what kind of answers or the way you answer will help you be in the best position to go further in the process you know and um so you know first year not really much success second year i think i got to like the second round interviews and was like oh i'm gonna get an opportunity and it was actually with exxon mobile and then didn't get it and i was and i was mad i'm not gonna lie i was (laughs) mad i so I, I called the guy up, you know, that the final screener. Mm-hmm. I called him after I knew I didn't get it. And I was like, oh, what happened? Like, can you <laughs> tell me, like, what did I not do? And, you know, and like I said, I learned a lot through the process. Like, okay, yes, add more leadership, add how to respond. So I was like, okay, what, what are the gaps? How could I be better positioned to get an opportunity? Yes, and, you know, I think his response was fine and fair, but I think it, it comes down to splitting hairs a lot at that stage. Mm-hmm. But to me, I was like, all right, he gave me one or two small nuggets to work with. I'm going to come back with it. Yes, sir. Um, and then really, you know, going through this three years in a row and at LSU, we have a fall and a spring um, session, career fair. So I'd go to all of them you're seeing a lot of the same recruiters not some of them change but sometimes you'll see the same same ones so by that third year the exxon recruiters the chevron the shell valero you know all of their they already knew me and they're like oh no we've interviewed you twice like you're great like we hope that we can get you in our company we're just going to pass you on Mm -hmm. and and hope that you get in the right spot so so that third year i got an internship with or like I said, had a few offers, but took the one from Chevron out in California. Mm-hmm. And they're, again, remediation, soil groundwater uh, remediation research group. And, and I really went into that, that um, summer internship saying, all right, I want to come out on the other side knowing, do I want to go to academia after grad school or industry? Mm-hmm. and also decide, man, is this a type of work environment I'd want to be in? Mm-hmm. Are these people evil, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And um, so anyway, I came out and I was like, shoot, everyone there was cool. And from an environmental perspective, I was like, wow, they actually take a lot of pride and effort and care in what they do. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, being a part of that, you can really have an opportunity to make an impact from the inside. Um, 
And then as far as industry versus academia, I was like, shoot, I, I feel like I can't lose. I think either way would be a really yes, fun and good opportunity. So, and then from there, got an internship with ExxonMobil and the upstream research company. Wow. And then after that internship, um, I got an offer from our environmental and property solutions company uh, for full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and keep in mind, all of this was during the downturn. So 2015, 2016, 2014, 16 timeframe. Mm-hmm. So it was tough, but it's, it's doable. That's, you know, I know this is a long winded answer, but the main thing is persistence, not losing confidence in yourself and not, if you don't get an offer or don't get something, knowing it's not, it's, most of the time it's not you. Mm-hmm. It's just there's always targets and goals and how many people we can bring in and where. And, um, so the more you can just say, all right, I may have taken a hit to you know my pride or feeling like, oh, I, I should have this, I should have, just don't even sweat it, just keep going, mm-hmm. you know? Yes, sir. Wow, that's great. So today you are a global environmental uh, yeah, leader. So, Right. right. So global technical advisor. Technical advisor, mm-hmm. which is a, one of the leaders in, uh, in your field. So what is some of the coolest part of your job? Mm. Some cool things that you get to do? Man. So to me, with my background, you know, I'm interested in two main areas of operation. Mm-hmm. You know, the first is... Um, novel environmental technology mm-hmm. at the intersection of novel biotech. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other area of operation that I'm interested in is mentoring mm-hmm. and promoting careers in STEM and, and sharing with people what's out there. Because like I said, to me, when I started this whole journey mm-hmm. through school, I didn't even know environmental engineering was a thing. Mm. Like, I, I just didn't know what was out there. So to me, anything that I'm doing in the company that is mentoring mm-hmm. or working on new tech or application of new tech, R&D, is the most exciting thing. So what I was gonna say is this interview, mm-hmm. you know, this is one of my most exciting things I could be doing right now. Mm-hmm. And to be at a company that again has that flexibility and and support that oh yeah if it's mentoring related stem related like we encourage you to go and do that because yes, we, we we have to you know lift up the country really from that uh, yes, stem perspective yes sir what are some challenges uh, you are facing as an african-american here uh, at ExxonMobil and what are some keys that you use to mm. overcome those challenges yeah so, you know, I'd say the biggest challenges, I mean, it, it really goes back to basics or upbringing or experiences earlier in life. Mm-hmm. Of, to me, my perception is your own self-doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, you seeing yourself as different. Um, and I'll speak a little bit with example, you know, early on Mm -hmm. coming in I was like man I'm 
I'm different from everyone else in my group for a lot of reasons, mm -hmm. you know. They, they never hired a PhD directly from school into this role. Mm -hmm. So there, there's some other PhDs in our group, um, but typically they come in at the project manager level and manage projects and then move or progress to this type of role mid or late career. Mm -hmm. So coming in straight from school, it was like, oh man, I'm different. Why was I given this opportunity? And, mm -hmm. and you know, having a lot of questioning and pressure internally but externally of oh, how could he help me like he he's coming straight from school he doesn't understand xyz mm -hmm. i mean also like you hit on the race perspective feeling like man there's not many african americans in my workspace mm -hmm. outside of you know admin roles not all of them there are a few but not many mm -hmm. and so that's another way of feeling like man i don't fit in are people going to want to listen to my perspective or my experience or my thoughts um and so for me those the first six months was really tough because mm -hmm. i just felt in this place of ah man how should i respond how should i make my voice heard should I make my voice heard mm -hmm. and it was really some mentors in the group that I'm in some senior leaders that and just small situations I don't think they even realized what they were doing or the impact they had still they might not realize yeah. but you know after you know kind of right at that six month mark you know mentioning things like hey you want, you have some good ideas and you want to do xyz you know you could you could ask everyone for permission or you could just go do it and ask for forgiveness later and know <laughs> that you have my support and this is a few levels ahead above me so when i heard that i was like oh shoot well he says he's behind me so i'm just going to take that approach to everything yes, and sir. so that kind of really empowered me and others as well and so for me once I got to that place of better self-confidence and, and really there's a lot of noise going on mm -hmm. at work and in your head, the more I can say, all right, this is the straight narrow path that I'm going to stay on, you know, and it doesn't mean to not embrace your culture or your race or your heritage, ethnicity, et cetera, because mm -hmm. you should. But anytime it's from a place of negativity, got to get yeah, I got to yeah. get out of that yeah. as quick as possible for yeah, me sir. to be effective. Yes, sir. You know, that's amazing. So you got your degree, your first degree, undergraduate degree in LSU. Mm -hmm. You decided to go get a higher degree, PhD. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure there did you have a role model? What motivated you? to decide to go that extra step. That's four mm. years of school, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, usually really where we come from, we want to get that money as fast yeah. as possible. What motivated you to not focus on the money? Uh, ExxonMobil is knocking on the door, Chevron is knocking on the door, but you decided mm. you wanted more education. You were thinking about the future. What motivated you to do that? Yeah, I don't, and it's weird. It wasn't a particular person, mm -hmm. just in my, gut mm -hmm. I knew I always wanted to go 
well, it was two things. One, I knew I wanted to go to some, you know, some school and get some advanced degree after undergrad, mm -hmm. but I didn't know what. You know, it was a lot, like I said earlier, of being led, mm -hmm. and that to some extent, that's how I live my life, being led and see where things are going and trying to use a bad basketball analogy, trying to read the defense. Mm -hmm which I'm not always good at. Sometimes I try and force myself into a corner. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I got the undergrad degree and I was like, oh, I don't wanna leave Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. So most people with environmental engineering undergrad degree in Baton Rouge go to work for either industry or consulting to mm -hmm. support industry. And a lot of like permitting work, yes. environmental compliance. And I was like, oh, that just sounds boring. And, um, I, at the end of undergrad, I started doing research with the professor that I did my PhD with. Mm -hmm. And he just frankly said, you know, what are you thinking about doing after school? And I was like, well, I know I want to do something. But like I said, I was like, I'm this environmental guy and I'm doing some bio research with you. I don't know how that's going to, who's going to want to hire that, you mm -hmm. know? So I was like, I'm thinking I'm going to go to law school environmental law mm -hmm. with a little bit of technical background mm -hmm. or I'm going to take my articulation courses and then apply it to med school as an engineer mm -hmm. um, and then my third option was to pivot hard and go and try and go into grad school for psychology wow. and so I told him all that and he's a he's a very uh, pragmatic guy so mm -hmm. he said uh, he was like well you know what about engineering for grad school I hadn't, again, I didn't know. I didn't know that was a thing people mm -hmm. do. And he kind of, I was like, well, why would I do that? What's the value? And he was like, oh, well, generally, if you get a master's or a PhD, you get to work on more technical projects. He was like, in my opinion, what I would think is cooler projects, more exciting. I was like, all right. I wasn't sold, though. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then he said, and you get paid to go to school, and it's tuition free. Wow. And I said, like, what do you mean? Because I was like, dang, if someone had told me that when I started undergrad, I would have like Take geared it. myself to that. But yeah. I just didn't know. Um, and so that was that, you know, and he was like, oh, yeah, no, you if you go to uh, grad school for engineering or most sciences, you get a fellowship or an assistantship, mm -hmm. your tuition's waived and you get paid on top of that, yes, which sir. isn't a lot of money, you know. But coming from where I was coming as an undergrad, I was like, shoot, 15,000, 20,000, 25 a year. You know, some fellowships can go up to 35, 40. I was like, shoot, that's amazing, you know? So that's kind of what brought me there. Mm -hmm. um, and then as things happened in grad school, because I had the option to just stop at two years and take a master's and leave. Mm -hmm. And I had thought about it. Um, but the way things were happening and I was truly enjoying the research and felt like I was learning a lot, growing a lot, getting to go to conferences to present my research and mm -hmm. see the broader world, you know, and, and the broader scientific community, how many really smart people are out there. Mm -hmm. So all of that inspired me and got me excited to stick wow. around. Wow. Yeah. Do you have any advice for that younger you uh, mm. who are looking for guidance right now and do not really know what's mm. out there? Hmm. Yeah, so guidance for a younger me, 
looking for advice on where to go and how to figure out what's out there. So I would definitely say a few things. One would be find, a, find multiple mentors because mm -hmm. whether they can direct or whether they're the ones to directly lead you to what you're looking for yes, or they're like, well, I know someone over here that does this. Like maybe you're interested in that and then make, give, give you another connection mm -hmm. and viewpoint. That's big and important. Just networking, which mm -hmm. I know is like a buzzword and my former me probably would have been like, ah, oh, networking, like what does that even mean? I, I don't wanna do that, you know? Mm -hmm. But what I specifically mean is just talking to people mm -hmm. and getting to know people and what their experiences and what they're going for and their drivers and their likes and dislikes. Cause at least for me, I've learned a lot about myself just mm -hmm. listening to other people. Yes, sir. Um, so those would probably be the two biggest ones. And then kind of on the softer side would be, like I said earlier, just being persistent. Mm -hmm. Don't give up just cause you get two rejects in a row or three rejects in a row, keep beating on the door. Mm -hmm. And then the last softer side, softer skill would just be, you know, be confident, don't be afraid mm -hmm. of what you know or what you have, own it, you know, don't be arrogant, but own your uniqueness, you know, your unique self, your unique gifts. And cause when you own it and it shines out, that's what's going to impact other people and they're going to they're going to be inspired from you yes sir. but if you don't have if you're too scared or timid you're not going to be able to give that fruit to anyone else yes sir thank you so much for giving yourself time mm. this was amazing yeah yes, no sir. thank you thank you appreciate thank you. it there you have it ladies and gentlemen Thank you so much for tuning in to the Mamba Inspire You Can Do It Too podcast. We have another special guest next episode. Make sure you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date. Our YouTube channel, we have a Twitter and Instagram for updates. Look up Mamba Inspire. Peace.